uh, here's what I know. Does it, does it work every time? And this is where I think I probably differ with most faith ministries or healing ministries, etc. Because if they were really honest, I can't explain it. Because sometimes we pray for people and they're miraculously healed. Sometimes we pray for them and nothing happens. That's the mystery. That's the tension that we live in that where we're, you know, we're still in a, a, a he, he, Jesus clearly said, he goes, pray for heaven on earth. Pray for, so you can experience the eternal life, the kingdom of God right now. And, but, but if we're really honest, all of us still have a veil. We, have, we can't see clearly is what it says. We still see him through a face-to-face. Not face-to-face, I mean, but when, we all, when this physical body dies, it says we will all see him face-to-face. And we're going to meet unconditional love perfectly. And I know you're going to be perfectly, miraculously glorified body at that time. So, but here's what I want you to do is, is so if anybody's ever prayed for you and you weren't healed, it's, I don't ever want you to feel guilty because I think that's what these faith ministries do is they, they put the guilt back on you because they can't explain it. And all, I think it's better to just go, I can't explain it. Versus, Bree, it's your fault. You don't have enough faith. Now, what does that do to the person? <laughs> they already fear terrible. Their body's in pain, etc. And then somebody puts a guilt trip on them. You don't have enough faith. I just think that's terrible. So here's what I know that I know that I know that I know is, is uh, you and I can't heal in that. Would we agree with that? We can do nothing. We're really dirt. And it says he, he breathed his life into us. But here's the other cool part. He says, I've poured out my spirit on all, anybody who has skin. All flesh is what it says. I've poured out my spirit on all flesh. So his spirit is in and through everybody. Um, and you know what? It's, it's just trying to manifest itself out. So when we pray, we can have the confidence that, as I'll kind of go through this, that uh, uh, Jesus always healed everybody that came to him. Um, but we still see through a veil. We, we, so, but here's what I know. If we don't pray, we see less healings. Would everybody agree with that? And I've just, we've just prayed enough where there's miraculous things. That, uh, so I'm just going to pray. And I would just encourage you to pray and not, not set these weird expectations for people. Here's, here's what I tell people. I go, you know what? We're going to pray for you. And I'm going to tell you that Jesus' will is always to heal. It's never to teach you a lesson or any of this nonsense. You know, Paul's thorn. and uh, well, I'm not going to talk about that now. But that stuff is just like... That's silly. So if you're not healed instantly, here's what I know that I know that I know. We'll pray for you every week. We'll, pray, we'll continue to pray for you because what I've seen is when we just stand in that, that confident expectation where we don't feel guilty, but we go, you know what, Lord, you know, you, I know you love me. I know you love me perfectly and your desire is to heal. And so I'm just gonna be in this confident expectation that you're gonna heal me, whether it's today or tomorrow, et cetera. And, and if we can create that environment, people typically get healed more often than not. So isn't that better than trying to make excuses? That's just me. And so if you have a different philosophy, that's fine. Then you heal everybody. I've just never seen it. You know, it's because it, we're like, we have the authority to go into every hospital and heal everybody. I've just never seen it. Now, it's really interesting. Sometimes the, it, the anointing really is that strong and things just happen. So at least, right, after the service, it wasn't even during the service, after the service, I walked up to you and you're falling down. And I was like, whoa, I can, whoa, whoa, Jesus, thank you, Lord. I didn't have my little napkin or anything. So <laughs> he's just good. He, I can't explain it. So, but here's what I know that I know that I know, is um, if we can create an environment where they know they're unconditionally loved and that Jesus' will is always to heal, that's the most powerful thing we can do where we can re- we reassure them that sin is not holding back their healing because I've heard that. Um, Jesus took away sin as far as the east is from the west. So they need to know they're completely forgiven and it's not their fault why they're sick. Does that make sense to you guys? And so the other thing is, is uh, Jesus said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. What did he give us a spirit of? Power, love, and a sound mind. And so 
How many of you guys get, were taught that, that hell is very scary? He didn't give you that spirit. Religion gave us that spirit. So I'm gonna show you, this is gonna challenge a lot of you guys, but I, I will probably talk about this over the next few weeks, but uh, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna show you a video. This guy, <laughs> it's just comical. So he went, to, uh, he went through Fuller Seminary. He's up in Denver, actually. His name is Peter Hyatt. And um, uh, it's really interesting because when I talked about my Jewish friends, is when, where there were two trees in the garden, where they're not, and it says, one, one, you're going to experience life, but if you eat from the other tree, what's going to happen? You're going to die, right? To a Jewish mind, if you ask the Jews, they go, hey, tell me about hell. And they go, oh, it's Sheol. That's where, that's where you go when you die. But then what happens? Oh, the Messiah is going to come and we're all going to live again. They have no concept of eternal rotisserie stick torment, where you're just being, does that make sense? Where... <laughs> Because like at youth camps and all this r- ridiculous stuff that we, we teach these kids, we put, fear, we put fear in them, an unhealthy fear where we go, you know what, if you were going to, if you were going to, if you went to, if, if you gave up your last breath today, are you confident of where you're going to go? How many of you guys ever taught that? And so this fire is like, uh, can you stick your hand in the fire for five seconds? And the little kid's going, no, I'm not stupid. I'm not going to put my hand in the fire. He goes, but you know what? If you don't say the magic words before you die, you're going to be like that for eternity. Now, does that sound like a loving dad? It doesn't sound like a loving dad, right? Would you ever do that to your kids or grandkids, David Rose? What in the world? And he goes, you know what? So I'm going to challenge you a little bit. What to a Jewish mind, hell's death was death. And Jesus said, I went down into Sheol. I went down into the deeps, into the abyss, and I preached to those people, and I opened up the doors, and now I've got the keys, and it's open. But here's what I, I want to share one other thing with you before I show you this video. This is really cool. Woo. How many of you guys have heard of uh, fire and brimstone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Now, why do we give the devil the fire? You ever thought about that? Because it burns. I'm going to read you something, then I'm going to show you this video. See, here's what I believe. What if Jesus actually... Oh, and I remembered what I was going to tell you. Remember last week I couldn't remind, I was like, I, I have no idea what I was going to tell you. I was just talking about something I can't remember. And so uh, I'm not going to do that again. I, I, honestly, I got home and I was like, oh, I remember what I was going to tell him. And so I said, you know what? The gospel we preach is worse than Disney movies. Because in Disney movies, good always conquers what? Evil. And so in our gospel that we teach, we're like, well, Jesus sort of conquered it. But if you don't say these magic words, you're going to be the rotisserie stick. What if Jesus actually did what he said he did? What if he actually is the Alpha and Omega? Everything started in him and everything ends in him. What if he really means what he says when it says God was in Christ reconciling the creation to himself? What if it says all creation is in me? And what if it says death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire? never to be seen again. Now we get back to a hell that's more of a Jewish mind. They go, you know what, he's conquered death where we all we're gonna have eternal life. And so I wanna read something to you about fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone are from the same word theos. You guys recognize a root word in that? Theos. So let me read this to you about fire and brimstone. Jesus is identified as a couple things. The Father's identified as a couple things in scripture. He says he is love, right? He is light. And he is a consuming fire. What if the fire and the lake of fire is actually him, which scripture says it's him? 
Why do we give the lake of fire to the devil? I'm going to read you something about fire and brimstone, which is really interesting. Luke 12, 49. I come to send fire on the earth is what it says. This is Jesus. Everybody shall be salted with fire. Everybody will be salted with fire. Now, what was salt used for in that time? To save and preserve things, right? He says, I'm going to salt everything. And so here's what I want you to read. We must realize that the fire originated with God, not the devil. Fire is a symbolic term and throughout scripture that this deals with the refining and cleansing to create purity. That's what it always says. It says, you know what? Everybody's going to get in. Some of you guys, it's going to be, whoo, I got in and it's going to burn up all the stubble, the, the, everything else. And all that's going to be left is silver and gold. Well, silver is always what in scripture? Redemption. And gold is always what? Divinity. I'm going to burn up all man's efforts, all the chaff, all the bad thinking, everything else. So listen to this. We must realize that it first originated with God, not the devil. Another Another word associated with fire is brimstone. This is the fire in brimstone. Brimstone comes from the Greek word theon, which means godlike, divine, and the Godhead. Both of these words, fire and brimstone, come from the root word theos, meaning the supreme divinity of God. Sulfur was always sacred to the Greeks, and we used to fumigate, purify, cleanse, and honor deity. Sulfur was used to the incense offered by the tabernacle priests. It's truly amazing that for centuries we have feared the phrase fire and brimstone. Religion has used this pattern of fear to hold man in bondage. The dawning of a new day begins as the mind is freed from the chains of religious bondage. One no longer sees God out of fear, but one out of newfound reverence and awe. God's greatness, greatest desire is that men know him, his true nature of love and mercy. God is ever mindful of what his children are and what is necessary to bring each one to restoration. To be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone is to be cast into God's perfect love, which every man is sent. Hallelujah. Now watch this video. My daughter Becky was little. She was a Little Mermaid fanatic. I have this memory burned in my brain. Becky's standing in front of the TV. Ariel, the Little Mermaid, has lost her voice to the sea witch in an effort to make herself human. She's about to be imprisoned in the depths of the sea. All hell is breaking loose. But she gets her voice back and starts singing. At that point, I remember Becky standing in front of the TV yelling. How do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell? Sometimes that seems to be a rather pertinent question for me. You know, King David seemed to think that he had spent some time in hell. Read Psalm 16, 18, 86, 139. Read it in the King James and you'll see what I mean. In Psalm 6, from the Hebrew, he writes, in death there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, that is hell, who will give you praise? Good question. In Psalm 22, he seems to think that he's in hell. I, I wonder where that was. 
You know, at one point, David loved well, but lost everything and hid in a cave, buried by betrayal and rejection. It was like he did everything right, but suffered as if he had done everything wrong. He must have felt forsaken by family, friends, God himself. Maybe it was then. Later, he used his power to commit adultery and murder the woman's husband. He was the political and spiritual king of Israel and yet a slave to his own desires. Maybe it was then. Toward the end of his life, he found himself abandoned by his own son who murdered his other son, stole his throne, and raped his wives. Now that is a dysfunctional family, and we all know a little bit about that. I wonder where David was when he wrote Psalm 22. Verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did you know that the Psalms are songs? The Psalms formed the songbook of ancient Israel and David must have sung some of them in hell. How do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell? Do you believe in hell? No, of course you don't. You may believe that there is a hell, but no one believes in hell. That's what makes it hell. Not believing is hell. Believing is faith, and faith means trust. To trust no one is to be utterly, entirely alone. That's hell. No one believes in hell, except, of course, for one man. He is the song in hell, and I'm not talking about David. And when I say hell, of course, I'm talking about hell number one. In scripture, there are at least three different realities that we often refer to with the one English word hell. The Bible uses the Hebrew word sheol and the Greek word Hades uh, to describe hell number one. It's outer darkness where men weep and gnash their teeth. It's pictured as being in the abyss of the sea, the depths of the earth. It's in this world. It begins on the surface of the earth and continues after the body dies. It's the grave, the realm of the dead and the demonic. And in Sheol, no, no one sings. All feel forsaken. Hell number two is not the same as that but just the opposite of that. It's not the experience of God's absence, but the manifestation of God's presence. And who is God? Well, scripture tells us that our God is a consuming fire. He's not part fire and part love. He's all love and all consuming fire. Sodom was destroyed with that fire, and the disciples were filled with that same fire on Pentecost. And check this out. Hell number one cannot be the same as hell number two. For in Revelation 20, hell number one is thrown into hell number two, Hades is thrown into the lake of fire, and death shall be no more. The Bible never calls the lake of fire hell, but we think of it as hell, and that's too bad, for I think a better name for it might be heaven, or at least the substance of heaven, which destroys the work of the devil. In other words, 
divinity, theon in Greek, translated brimstone or divinity. It, it's light that destroys the dark. It's life that is the very death of death. It's truth that destroys the lies. It's logos that consumes chaos. It's faithfulness that consumes faithlessness. Hope that destroys hopelessness. Love that fills all things. In heaven, no one feels forsaken. Everyone sings. And oh yeah, by the way, it's eternal. Eternal fire devours temporal hell. There's one last word or idea that gets translated as hell. That's Gehenna. It's a place, and I've been there. Ironically, they were having a barbecue, but there were no cries of pain and agony, just folks playing volleyball and eating chicken. Gehenna is the valley just to the south and the west of Jerusalem. In Jesus' day, it was a picture of judgment, a place where corruption and death were consumed by fire. Hell number three is the judgment of God. It's the place where light, life, love consume darkness, death, and isolation. It's the burning boundary between time and eternity, between this fallen creation and the new creation, between the old man-made Jerusalem and the eternal Jerusalem. Did you know that Ariel is a biblical name for Jerusalem, and God's people are referred to as Jerusalem. Well, 2,000 years ago, Ariel had completely lost her voice, and the word of God, judgment of God, Jesus the Christ hung nailed to a tree just outside her city walls, where he bore the sin of the world, destroyed the work of the devil, and cried, it is finished. So Ariel, how do you sing about heaven when you feel like hell, ask Jesus. There on the cross, he bore our griefs, carried our iniquities. He entered my hell and your hell. Uh, according to scripture, he descended into the lower parts of the earth, Ephesians 4.9, where he preached to the spirits in prison, 1 Peter 3.19. He preached to the dead, 1 Peter 4.6. Or maybe he sang to them. In Jesus' day, there were no numbers on the Psalms. So to reference a Psalm or a song, you'd quote the first verse. On the cross, Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was Psalm 22. We know that Jesus started to sing it on the cross. I think he must have kept singing it in hell. And this is how it goes. Verse one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Verse 16, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Verse 18, they divide my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. It, you know, he felt forsaken, 
but he's saying that he was not forsaken. Listen, verse 24, he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. He has not hidden his face from him, but is heard when he cried to him. From you comes my song of Hallel, my hallelujah. Now the end of the song. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust. All who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. It is finished. See, I think Jesus descended into hell singing and finished the song on the cross. Then he bowed his head, delivered up his spirit, his breath, his voice. That is the spirit that descends on Ariel upon Jerusalem as tongues of fire on Pentecost. It's the spirit that descended on David as he composed his songs in darkness. It's the spirit that causes you to call out to God saying, Abba, Father, it's the hallelujah. At the end of time, hell is cast into heaven and death is no more. At the cross, heaven is cast into hell and the king of heaven won't stop singing. Whatever will not move to the resonant frequencies of heaven is shattered by the sound of praise. And so the Israelites sang and the walls came tumbling down. Paul and Silas sang in prison and the earth shook and the doors flew open. Jonah sang to God in the belly of the beast in the depths of the sea. And, and by the way, the Bible calls that Sheol. He sang and the beast could not stomach the song. Jesus sang hallelujah in hell and shattered the gates of hell from the inside out. The song breaks the power of hell and each of us will get to see it happen. It's at the edge of hell where Christ is crucified where sin is consumed by the grace of God, the edge of hell and heaven, it's there that we meet the singer and learn his song. Music is based on a seven chord scale, like the seven days of creation. In a major chord, we hear perfect harmony, but in a minor chord, one note is one half step off. The minor chord makes us long for the major chord, for harmony, for completion. The fall on, on the sixth day makes us long for the completion of the seventh day. Well, at the minor fall, David didn't stop singing because Jesus didn't stop singing in David. David played the chord. He surrendered the discord. He surrendered his pain, shame, sin, and sorrow. And Jesus gave him the words. David sang, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus met him there and finished the song, singing discord into harmony, turning sin into grace and forsakenness into faith. David couldn't write that song or finish that song, but the song finished David, a baffled king composing hallelujah.
Jesus descends into every hell in which the children of Adam find themselves. And there he sings and causes them to sing. Jesus was singing his song in my daughter Becky watching The Little Mermaid. There's a reason for the darkness and the cave. It's there we learn to sing the song. It's there we meet Jesus. Jesus is the rhythm, the reason, and the meaning of the song. He is the logos. He is the song. Jesus is the word God speaks to create all things and make you in his own image. And when I see it and, and believe it, I don't feel like I have to sing. I want to sing. And that's called faith. Even if it feels like hell, don't stop singing, Ariel. Can somebody read Revelation 20:14? just if somebody's got it on their phone or whatever? Revelation 20:14. somebody just pull it up. I want, I want you to read it so you actually believe it, that I'm not making things up. I don't care. What was not found in the book that was cast into the fire? It's not a trick. What does it say to you that was cast into the fire? Death and hell were cast into the fire, and that's the second death. Death and hell, what if Jesus actually meant it when he said it's finished? What if he actually meant that everything starts in me and ends in me, and I've conquered everything, and there's no more death, and then there's no more Sheol, it was thrown into my perfect love consuming fire. Isn't that a better gospel? 
And if you read the very last chapter, because how many of you have ever heard this? See, I see Christians do this all the time. When they talk about, they don't don't dare read Revelation because they don't understand it. And they go, all I know is we win in the end. You ever hear that? Exactly. So why teach a defeated win? Why teach a partial win? It says, death and hell are no more. It's consumed by his perfect love. Isn't that awesome? Now, some of you guys might go, now what in the world does this have to do with a healing service? It's because if you can eliminate fear and go, he loves me perfectly. He came to conquer sin and death and there is no more. So death and hell were the things that were not in the book because he is the book of life. So there's no more death. You guys get it? If you eat from this tree, you're gonna die. You weren't gonna go roast in hell anymore. The lake of fire was actually his consuming presence. He says, I am the consuming fire that I I blow up everything. So here's what I believe. When you meet him face to face, we all have this veil. We all have this legalistic thinking. We all have some fleshly where we can't see him perfectly. But how many of you guys know it says when we see him face to face, we're gonna see a consuming fire. It's gonna be perfect love. And every nation, if you read Revelation, it says every nation will be singing because Jesus went down and sang in hell. Woo! I love it. Now you can, you can preach a, a fire and brimstone gospel, but what you're really teaching is he burnt up all man's efforts at Sodom and Gomorrah. And Revelation says Sodom and Gomorrah will be restored. All things are restored. Jerusalem is restored is what it says. Everything's restored because he is the first and the last. What if Jesus actually wins? See, that's what I believe. And so guess what? He's conquered sickness. He's, it feels like hell, doesn't it? Some of you guys need physical healing, doesn't it? And what he said is, you know what? Pray for heaven on earth because we can experience it here. And so, I, like I said, I know that if we pray for people, if we really, if we get rid of the spirit of fear, which he said, I didn't give you that. I didn't give you that. I didn't tell you you're gonna go roast on a rotisserie stick. I said death and hell are gonna, what's gonna roast on the rotisserie stick. And there will be no more. That's the second death. Isn't that awesome? Hallelujah, man. So, guess what? If we can go to those first slides, and then we'll pray for people. If anybody needs physical healing, et cetera. But uh, I'm not gonna go. I saw Kurt and Katie are on here, and they're, they're doing their thing as well. Um, you know, all the... All the all the testimonies, I, I don't want to even go through them. They have a million of them themselves. And you know what? Um, you know, their testimonies, they came with Ron and Martha. We prayed for them, and she never had a seizure anymore. That happens sometimes where it's miraculous. You know, you've, uh, you, you saw last week, the, the lady came up, and I don't even remember praying for it, where she said, you know what? I was in stage four cancer, and I'm healed today. Hallelujah. Fired up. I'm glad that we prayed. But I didn't, I didn't pray and fast and go, man, did you feel my anointing, any of that? I just know that he works with us. He said, my spirit's in you, and if you pray for people, it pours it out. Fair enough? So guess what? Should we pray? Yeah. So do you want to pray? Yes, you should. You should. You don't have to. Most of you will do it better than me. And that's what I'm trying to share with you. So faith, uh, faith is simply this. It, it's... Um, Faith is simply trust or persuasion. And so when you know, see I, here, why I shared that video, because if we have this fear in the back of our mind that unless we say the magic words, we're gonna burn up, where it doesn't even say that, it says, it says death and hell are gonna burn up. Well, if hell burns up, isn't that good? That's really good, because there's no more. And then the very last verse in Revelation, it says, you know what? And the gates are open forever, and the spirit and the bride say, come on in. And that's exactly what Hebrews says. Come boldly to the throne of grace because the veil's been torn. And you know what you're gonna find when you go meet him? 
Mercy and grace in time of need is what it says. Scripture says that over and over and over. So what I want to show you is Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I'm just trying to kill some fatted calves because sometimes, uh, not fatted calves because that's Jesus, is uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The sacred cows, right? The people don't take... <laughs> I'm Polish. You, you gotta sometimes, you gotta, go, you gotta read through my mind. Did he just say that? Yeah, he said it, but that's not what he meant. So, uh, you know what I mean, not what I say, right? How many men have said that? Usually it's the wife saying that. Well, you know what I mean. So anyway, uh, faith is simply trust. And it's not, it's not faith in your faith. See, here's what I think is a lot of these faith ministries, um, go, go study scripture for yourself. Who, the only people he's rude to are the religious people that put requirements to receive anything from him. And he said, you know what? You guys are father, you're devil because the devil was evil works. Evil works was I got to work to be blessed. And that's not anywhere. He says, you know what? You're a son, you inherit in the new covenant. And so he kind of rips the religious leaders. He rips the, the rabbis, the pastors, the theologians, the teachers of their day who they saw the word of God completely, but they didn't see him. That's why he says, you always seen me, but you're not seeing me. I spoke to all of you, but you didn't hear me. And so what did he do to every person in the Bible that came to him with a sickness and said, help, what did he do? He never gave them the requirement that you got to get your belief above your unbelief. And that's what these faith teachers teach. And I can't stand it because here, here's what's going on is they're going, do you believe who I am? Do you believe I'm the Messiah that's going to conquer sin and death? Do you believe in his name? And that doesn't mean you yell Jesus loudly at the end of the the, the, uh, your prayer. It means, do you believe he is who he said he was, that he's conquered all this? And now you are in his name, you're in his family. So to use his name means I'm surnamed. It's like my wife took my name and now she has the same authority as I have because she's two have become one. And that's what Jesus said. He goes, now you can pray in my name. And we think that's something you add at the end of a sentence. In Jesus' name. It's, it's, that's not even close to what it means. What it means is you can pray because you're part of my family and it's this, as if I'm praying. You can use my name. You guys get it? So faith is simply trusting and persuading. Can we trust this guy named Jesus to heal me? And he says, I never changed. So then we can go to scripture and go, did he ever deny anybody healing whether they had enough belief or an unbelief? And I know where they get the scripture. Because this poor guy comes and he goes, if you can do anything for me, uh, please do it. And he goes, if I can, what do you mean? I, I can do all things. And then the, the dad goes, kind of, he's like, yeah, I, of course I can heal your, your, your son. Of course I can, because I can do all things. And then it says, <laughs> then the father, which is really a picture of all of us, if we're really honest, is he goes, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because I believe you're the guy, but I don't have it in me. And did Jesus heal the person? Yes. And guess what? Does he ever change? No. So it's okay to go, I suck. And I can't, my faith won't heal a gnat, but I can use your name and I'm one in you and you and me. Help this wretched thing that I am help my unbelief he loves that guys he loves that despite everything you've been taught he'll never deny himself so I'm just going to go through a couple scriptures because Jesus says I never change I'm the same yesterday today and forever I, I I've never changed so we can go and he said if you've seen me you've seen the father and the father I am Jesus said I am the fullness of everything God is in a body is what scripture says. So he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen the Holy Spirit, you've seen everything. So that we can go look at Jesus. Matthew, I'm just giving you two. But you can go look at all the healing scriptures yourself. Matthew 4.23 says this. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing what kinds of sicknesses? All. All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. 
I like it when he says all, right? So if Jesus healed all sickness and all disease, does he ever change? No, he doesn't change. That's what he said. He goes, I, I don't change. Is I am. When they said, who sent me? Say, I am that I am. Meaning that I'm ever present. I'm past, future. I'm, I'm, I'm everything. I'm outside of time. I never change. That's why he said, I am that I am. And so then his fame went throughout Syria, all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. So is, does it look like it's Jesus' will to heal? I think it does. Let's go one more scripture here, that next slide, please. Maybe. No, no worries. Did I put it in there? It's Matthew 14 or something, I remember. When I was doing it, watching. Hey, guy, by the way, Auburn beat Alabama. Yeah. I think you're sports fans. No, no, no. No, no, no. I love it. Number one and two got knocked off. Matthew 14, 14. I was right. I was trying to remember what I was doing as I was watching the Auburn game. So, Matthew 14, 14. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with what? He didn't go, you know, faith is the currency of heaven and I don't see enough yet. Get it up. He saw the people and he, you know why he heals? Because he was moved with compassion and he healed their sick. Now, he doesn't change, guys. So if you've seen, I could go through scripture after scripture after scripture. You guys get it? All right, let's go to that next slide real quick. And so all I'm trying to show you is uh, John 14, 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So he's just reaffirming this. He said, if you've seen me and you saw me go heal people, you know that's what the Father's will is because the Father and I are one, right? Now, there's a really cool part here later, though. It says, how can you say, show us the Father? Do you still not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? Those are covenant things. Those are, you know, John 1 says, in the beginning, the Word, who is the Word? Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's what he's trying to show you. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit right there. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe the evidence of the works themselves. So what he's trying to say is, because Old Covenant said, you know, when this guy shows up, people are given to touch his wings, his talit, you know, the little blue string things that hang out of the Jews' garments. Said when you, with that prayer shawl, it's called a talit, when, they, when people touch those wings, they're gonna be healed. So the woman with the issue of blood went up and just touched his wing that's what they called the wings, those long prayer shawls that kind of blew, was healed. So what he's trying to do, he's going, I'm showing you guys as clear as I can show you that I am the Messiah. And he goes, if you don't believe that I'm, I'm God, that I'm one, then at least believe these miracles that I'm doing, that people are being healed, that are the epileptics, the dead are raised, etc. So believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Do you believe he's salvation? Do you believe you're in him? Then you will do greater works than these. How cool is that? I'm guessing it's true. I'm just saying, right? Because you're in him. Do you believe in him? And that's really just trust him, not you. See, this is where we get mixed up. Do you trust me? See, believe, we think, we grew up in the West and it's such a mess because we think, believe harder. 
Get your faith up a little bit more. Fast, pray, do all these nonsense things that don't do anything for you because it says those are, those are just works and those are works that are nonsense. And Paul's very clear in Colossians. Don't let anybody judge you about what you eat, what day you minister. What, that's just nonsense. Those are types and shadows. The real thing is me, Jesus. So do you trust in him, not you? See, here's where we get messed up. What if I pray for people and somebody's not healed? Yeah, it happens. But it also says this will happen as well. So at least I'm gonna pray for people and give them the good news and let them know that you're completely forgiven. He loves you unconditionally. And if we can create that environment, the environment's there for healing. Does that make sense? Because when we realize his compassion for the people. So it says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, very truly I tell you. You just asked me, is that true? Very truly I tell you, if you trust in you, him. If you trust in me, We'll do the works I've been doing and we'll do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Why are we gonna do greater things? Why, see, everybody thinks that, man, I wish I was around Jesus. He's like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's better if I go away because I'm gonna pour out my spirit on everybody. So this anointing that I'm working with is now gonna be on everybody that has skin. Do you have skin? Then you got this deal. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? So what do we need to do? Trust in him. So that's why I don't take it offensive. We pray for people. And you know what? He's healed people so much that, does he heal everybody instantly with me? No, but there's been enough that I get excited. That stuff happens. You know, some of you guys heard my friend Mark came in and his son and we prayed over it. I don't feel anything most of the time. All of a sudden he goes, man, I feel something. And all of a sudden he could, he had a torn labrum or something. And he goes, man, I can move my arm now. Like you can, this man of faith. Wow, it worked. Thank you, Lord. I, this, that's how it works most of the time with me. You know, even the testimony last week, she goes, you prayed for me. Stefan, and you prayed for me, and I had stage four cancer, and now I'm here alive. Wow, I don't even remember praying. Because I let him do it. So, I will do whatever you ask in my name. What's his name? Salvation. I'm the Messiah. I'm the guy who restores all things. If you believe now that you're in my name, that the Father may glorify in the Son. So we're just, we're trying to, it says we will display his splendor. It has nothing to do with your faith, my faith. It's do we trust in him? And I just say, let's try. And so I don't want, I'm, I'm gonna do a healing service now, but I, I want it to be that every, any, anytime you have people that have physical afflictions, bring them. And if we need to pray, because more often than not, when, I, when I've prayed, because uh, obviously I have a veil and you know, yes, it's true. Everybody that Jesus prayed for, it was instantaneous healing, but you and I, we can't see everything clearly is what it says. We can't see it perfectly. So I don't expect it to work, but here's what I do know. The more I pray, the more I pray, the more I pray, you know what starts to happen to their heart? They start to experience it, and over time, they typically get healed. Isn't that good news? You guys know my brother-in-law, who's diagnosed with Waldenstrom's disease. There's never been one ever healed of that cancer, ever, but guess what? There's one healed now. So now there's one. Hallelujah. And the real rock was my sister-in-law. Because she said, you know what? This guy's going to live. And I can't, I, don't, I can't explain it. I just trust in you, Lord. Isn't that beautiful? See, I think we're, having, we're trying to have trust in our trust. We're, do I trust enough? Is my believe meter high enough? And guys, you're going to fail every time. You're going to just, you're going to feel like crap afterwards and go, why wasn't he healed? I don't know. See, that's where I think if these faith healers really were honest, I go, who knows? But I do know this is it says this will happen and Jesus's will is always to heal. So at least I'm going to give these guys the good news and go, let's pray and just stay in hope knowing that he loves you perfectly. Sin is not keeping you from being healed. None of that nonsense. You're perfect in every way. 
and he loves you and he's somebody we can trust to heal you whether it's tonight or over time. Is that fair enough? And you're not bummed out. You don't put the pressure back on you like why am I not healed? Because I'm not going to put the pressure on you. Some other faith healer will. So, which I hate because if they're, like I said, if they're honest, I got to pick up the mess afterwards. Well, this guy prayed for me and said I was going to be healed and I'm not. Well, let's go call him. And you know what he's going to say? You didn't have enough faith. What a peckerhead. Sorry. I can't stand that because you know what? Jesus comes, he says, I give no guilt. So what are you doing putting the guilt back on them? Sorry. That's a farm word. Actually, in farm word, Brie, we said it differently. So, all right, next slide. We would have used a male appendage there. So, which I guess I still did. But, uh, <laughs> so the real question is not whether I have enough faith to be healed, but is the Father somebody I can trust? And that's why I was trying to show you those scriptures. It says, Jesus says, I've never changed, and my will is always to heal. You guys with me on that? All right. So, I believe this is there's only two sources of anything fear or love. Eat from the tree of life, and he's perfect love, he's perfect light, and he's a consuming fire burning up all human effort. He conquers sin and death, is what it says. Follow me? And the other one, when we eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, if I'm, it's really like the good-bad tree, if you want to do it. If I'm good, he blesses me. If I'm bad, what does he do? He gives us a conscience, and we think conscience is God, so we all know we're not that good. So our conscience just affects us like crazy, and we go, oh, I must not have enough faith. I'm guilty. I did this. I did this wrong, etc. He goes, that'll give you fear. So if we can go, he doesn't want you to be in fear. All he wants you to do is know you're perfectly loved and forgiven. That's the consuming fire. And that's what I'm trying to share with you is the Jewish concept of hell is very different from the Western concept of hell. The Jewish concept of hell was just death, Sheol, and Sheol and death are going to be thrown into his all-consuming love. He wins in the end. Get it? It's almost too simple. That's why I said Disney is at least better than the gospel. Disney wins in the end. Good conquers evil, but not in Christianity. See, I think he wins 100% where he truly means what he says. He says, I reconciled all things, the things above the earth, things below the earth, things seen, not seen, to myself. Hallelujah, man. Isn't that cool? So, hey, if you don't want to believe that, stay in hell. Hell is... Most of the, what you guys have been taught your whole life. Hell is going, I might be in, I might be out. He might love me, he might not love me. You're right back in the tree of the good and bad and he's conquered that thing. So is there a hell? Yes, it is. So, but, the, but the end of Revelation says, but the, gore, the, gore, the doors are open. You can come in anytime. It's just like the older brother and the prodigal son. Uh, was, did, did God want to show them mercy and grace in the house and have a party? Yes, but he refused to come in. That doesn't mean you're going to be a pops or a, a rotisserie stick forever. It says the lake of fire is in the presence of the lamb. See, we think Kel is away from God, separated. And it says, no, it's in his all-consuming presence. His love is going to burn up everything. And I really find it hard to believe that when you go meet, when the, the evilest of evil meets him face to face, that he doesn't bow his knee is what scripture says and go, you really were who you said you were. And then I believe he comes on into the party. Because that's what scripture says, if they read it correctly. So, is that cool? So that's why I think saturating people's hearts and minds with the unconditional love of the Father will do more create a healing environment than anything else. If, if some of you guys have dealt with, uh, uh, Ramiko, you've seen this with young kids and everything else. If, if kids are pretty crazy, etc., the first thing we look for is do they have a loving home? Don't we? Are they, are they unconditionally loved at, because they're going to find it somewhere, whether it's a gang or somewhere else. So, we all know this, but somehow we think, no, God's not, he's not unconditional love, he's conditional. 
No, he's not. He's unconditional love. And he wants to heal you. He wants to pray for you. He wants to do everything for you. And you know what? It's scripture says, he is the head and we are what? His body. So we do his work here on earth. We're part of him. Does that make sense to you guys? So he expects us to lay hands and do all the things because he works through us because we're his body. We're his voice. We're his mouth. We're his everything. Fair enough? All right, so let's go to this last slide. So I'm going to ask you guys to do this. I'm not going to do it publicly, I don't think, this time. But uh, um, so there's, here's, here's what I would tell you is I've studied this quite a bit. You know, um, almost every denomination uh, has a healing ministry. You know, the Orthodox have healed people from day one. They just said, you know, it's the high priest with the long beard and, and uh, he operates in the gifts of the spirit, etc. And he's healed people forever in the Orthodox Church. It's really interesting. Fine, I, I guess. And, uh, you know, the Catholics have a healing ministry. The, the Anglicans have a healing ministry. The, the Charismatics, the, the, uh, uh, the, the Pentecostals, they all have a healing ministry. You know what's really true about all of them? What, what, what do they all do the same? <laughs> that's it. They all do it differently. There's, no, there's really no similarity. That's what's weird. What I'm trying to show you, there's no right or wrong way. So he's like, listen, if you want to do holy water and oil, it, it, really, that's what you're going to use? No problem. I'll heal through that. You think I got to run around and pray in tongues and scream at people and yell Jesus loud? I'm like, it's kind of weird, but I'll heal through that. But you know what? It's really his love and compassion. If we just pray, he heals through that. So the only similarity is they actually do it. They actually pray. So I want to share with you that you can pray for people now. And don't get all weird. Like, Christians are the most bizarre people I've ever been around. Like, why, why do you act that way? Just be normal, right? You're all having fun. You're, you're smoking your cigarette outside, etc. And all of a sudden you hear the music and everybody gets serious and solemn when they come in here. I'm like, no, it's supposed to be fun. It's fun. And I think most people, like, they come in the church and they go, oh, Jesus, you know, I got to do this again. I'm missing the game. It's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be a continuation of your life. And then you come out of here and go, I'm going to go kick butt in what I do outside the church. The last thing I want you is in here the whole time. Is that Sula and Enrique we were talking about the whole time? If you can figure out how to get rid of a building, please tell me. I will. It's just, I don't know what to do with your kids. Because, really, honestly, because just... I'm from a big family and there's 8 million nephews and nieces running around so I don't really hear it but some of you guys from a small family are like is it always like this and kids are bleeding and screaming and usually my kids are in the middle of it and whatever you know so that's why we meet in the building to be honest with you and so why do we meet do we do we have to meet no but it, there's we were talking about this last night is some of you guys know that there's there's frequencies in everything so love has a certain frequency fear has a certain frequency when there's there's frequency of fear um guess what it starts to make your body malfunction you start to manifest crazy things and all, all weird stuff but here's the other thing is some of you guys know from your your high school uh, physics and chemistry if you take two wavelengths and put them that are exact same fre frequency and wavelength what happens to that it resonates it gets bigger does that make sense so if you get every if you get believers together it's what it says if you gather together and you're all operating in love and compassion what happens it gets stronger that's why we meet you guys get it so it's not out of religion, like, I got to go to church. Don't go to church. That's silly, because you, you'll hate it. So if you go to church, like, man, I can't wait, because I'm going to be with a body of believers, and you know what? His spirit's going to resonate. And things happen quicker, faster, typically stronger in people's hearts, because you're all together. That's it. 
Is that, now, the Pentecostals are like, do you feel the anointing? Yes, but it's not because you think it's because you prayed and fasted and you're the holy guy and people have to touch you. It's because there's a body of believers around and he's in and through everybody. And his, his power and his spirit is trying to manifest through all of you. Even if you're weird, he works through you. So I would just go, if you can be unweird versus weird when you pray for people, be unweird. Just make it normal, just because it's not you anyway. It's trusting in him. You guys know what I'm trying to say? I've seen so many weird healing things that I, don't, I wouldn't even want to be prayed for for most of these people. Like, God, that's just weird. It's scary, isn't it? The yelling at you and did you stay, confess all your unconfessed sins? And ah, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, all right. So here's, here, if you don't know what to do, here's a simple way to start. Put it that way, right? Um, this works. This works. This is kind of what, what I do. So, if somebody comes to you, um, you know, if my, my friend Mark and Caleb, he, he had a torn labrum, so I didn't have to go into the start when you start experiencing these symptoms. He was playing football and he tore his labrum. Like, oh, okay, we know what's going on. So, but other, other times, as we were listening, it says, you know what, one of the, the parts of the new covenant says, all will know me from the least to the greatest. If you call on me, what will he do? I will answer. So, when you call on him, he tells you stuff. It's, it's that simple. We, we try to make it hard. And what does he do? He drops a thought in your mind, and then most of you guys, what you do is go, was that you or God? Maybe it was me. No, you asked him to tell you something, he dropped, whose mind is he going to use? He's got to use yours. Right? You're his body. <laughs> Some people are like, is that really God? Or, no, it's trusted. Start to trust it. Is it edifying? Is it comforting, etc.? Because he is the comforter. That's what his spirit does. And most of the time, it's so spot on, you can't believe it because you go, oh, he's just saying that because he knows what's, that's what I need. Yes, exactly. Because most of the time, I pray for people. That are, well, I need, I need, if you see Jesus, if you see him right now, and you ask him to tell you something, what's he going to say? Almost always, he'll go, it's going to be okay. And then they go, he said he was going to take care of me financially, but I think that's just because I need it. Well, hello, that's what he's trying to tell you. <sighs> I just get confused. Little kids just go, hey, God told me this. And then you, what do we do as adults? <laughs> We're amazed. Really? And he does that to you. He doesn't change. So, hey, ask when the problem starts. But when I say listen between the lines is uh, I'll go, ask God to go, hey, is there, if there's something here that's, uh, that's, that's, that's keeping them not him. He wants to heal all the time. Is there, is there a wrong belief system in their heart that's keeping them from believing that he wants to heal them? He wants to heal them. It's typically the problem. You guys know what I'm trying to say? And here's share things with you. And how you do that is, is like uh, if I was in, with James, I'd go, I go, I would do it discreetly so not everybody's, I'd go, hey James, does this make any sense to you? Here's, here's what kind of God's sharing with me. And almost always it's spot on. Now how would I know that? I don't know. If you call on him, he will tell you. So listen between the lines and uh, just words of knowledge from, from God. And so pray for specific results, meaning that um, pray for what you want healed. If they tell you, hey, what part, body part, what, you know, what are the symptoms, what's going on, etc., pray for that specific thing to be healed because that's what you want, right? Don't go off into these wandering things. Just be direct. Just go at it. You don't go, hey, Lord, you know what? I, I just pray that you heal that labrum right now in Jesus' magnificent name. And then uh, here's, here's what I really do is I try to I try get out of my head. I try to I try stop thinking about all this, but I really just try to get into my heart or my spirit. And I try to imagine his love, his light, his compassion, everything flowing through that body part. 
And I just ask him to magnify that. Like, Lord, you know what? Let your love, your compassion, your light, the, your healing power, your desire to heal, let that just be magnified in that body part. Let your love and compassion and your light, which is what Jesus is, and Jesus is, in him is life and resurrection. So if we can, um, if we can use our spirit, our spiritual eyes to see that being healed because he loves them compassionately, you know what, they start to experience it. That frequency, love has a specific frequency. So if you can see, what would Jesus say about this situation right here? He would have compassion on them and heal them. So that's what we, I try to do. Does that, does that make sense? So I, I lay hands on them, but it really I'm trying to, I'm trying to get into the spirit. I, it sounds weird, so I hate using that because it's been so abused where people don't know what it is. It's really just you trying to see it with your spiritual eyes. Trying not to see it here, but trying to, if you can close your eyes, can you see this being healed? That's probably the best way to describe it. Does that make sense to you guys? It, it's simple. It's like ask a little kid to, uh, uh, ask, a little, ask, ask a little boy to act like a machine gun. Is he gonna act like a machine gun? In his mind, he'll imagine it right away and go, he'll, he'll get it. You tell adults like, hey, use your, use your spiritual mind. I don't know, am I? I'm in the spirit, I didn't get anointed. It's the same, it's, you're using your spiritual eyes. That's why we sing that song, open your eyes of my heart, Lord. Not here. And we, we went through that scripture. It says, in a little while, you're not gonna see me with your physical eyes, but you will see me spiritually, is what Jesus said. You guys get it? Okay, and then you just check for results. And so I just, I pray, and then, is it working? No? Well, let's pray some more. Is it working? No, let's pray some more. And I don't want anybody to, see, I think some of you guys were so trained, I believe and receive, and no, you don't. No, you don't. Either he's healing you or he's not. Let's just be honest so you don't go walking away crazy. Does that make sense? So if, it's not, if, if you're not manifesting yet, what I've seen more often than not, it, it happens continually because I trust in him. And I go, you know what? Let's do it again the next week. Let's do it again the next week. And more often, you know, it took my brother-in-law four years. But he's the only lone survivor of Waldenstrom's disease. Hallelujah. I'm glad we kept praying. Does that make sense? So we're not going, oh, you didn't have enough faith because you weren't healed immediately. Well, you know what? None of us are, are as perfect as Jesus. We can't see and hear as clearly as him, but we can certainly ask him, does this help any of you? So, all right, you can get to your feet. I just wanted to share this with you. Now, is there anybody, I'm not gonna have you come up here because I think that's why a lot of people didn't dare come up here last week. Is there anybody that needs physical healing that wants us to pray for them? I can't see, it's like really, yeah? Yeah, okay. So uh, if some of you guys that, uh, if you want physical healing, I want you to come up here and then I'm gonna have some of you guys do it, but I'll pray with every one of you as well. Does that make sense? So let's just end the service and then I will, uh, uh, I'll pray and then some of the people that need physical healing, let's just come up here. And I want some of you guys to participate because there's no right or wrong way and, and don't feel like you're gonna screw up. Some of you guys know me well enough that uh, I, my motto is always like, we're a volunteer army guys, we can't screw this up. Because he works with anything we give him, even twisted ideas that I've seen it in my whole life in Christianity. So Father, we love you, we praise you. We just thank you that your desire is they truly are your body and you wanna use everybody Granted, you know, some people have the gift of healing, etc., but we all have the same spirit is what it says. And so every gift of the spirit is present in every one of us. And you say, you know what? If you believe that we are in you now, that we have your name, greater works will we do. So we just thank you for that. We trust you in that. Just prepare their hearts and minds to know that you love them perfectly, that you've forgiven them. You'll never judge them for every sin, every mistake they've ever done. They're free. 
as if it's never happened. You remove that from the east to the west, and what you really want to do is show them your unconditional love and that you desire to heal their body, not just when they get to heaven. You want to enjoy life here in Jesus' magnificent name. Amen, amen, amen.